When you game with Alienware, you have the freedom to be anyone, like the galaxy's most feared warrior, and the freedom to go anywhere. Elevate your gameplay with the new Alienware X-Series laptops with 11th Gen Intel Core processors. Defy boundaries and start gaming now at Alienware.com. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers. Each week, I invite a special guest, such as Paul McCartney, to discuss their food memories. John Lennon and I hitchhiked to Paris, and we thought, oh, we've got to have a wine experience. We're in France. And we took a sip and thought, that is terrible. It's like vinegar. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. My name is Kristen Nobles, and I am the host of a new podcast called Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine. I have been chronically ill for over 20 years, and a doctor told me she believed that my breast implants were causing an autoimmune disease that was attacking my body. That is when I learned about breast implant illness. This disease is not my fault. I am not going to allow BII to define who I am. Listen to Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. You know what I mean? Yes. It's just sort of like, yeah. hey, here's some songs I bet you'll like. They all kind of go together. And, you know, enjoy everyone. Oh, hey, hi. Uh, welcome to our record store. I'm Seth. And this is Tara. Uh, feel free to look around and uh, just uh, give us a shout if you need anything. Um, but, but I also wonder, um, people make me fewer mixtapes these days just because people, you know, Deal, deal with physical media far less often. I wonder if that factors into people buying fewer soundtracks? I couldn't tell oh, you. That's a really good question. I do make a lot of playlists mm-hmm. um, that are are kind of just like, here's the general like soundtrack of my moment of fall or, yeah. you know, whatever, rainy days. Um, I'm trying to think of like new movies that have really good soundtracks. I, I honestly can't think of one, but but maybe... Oh, hey. Hey, hey. Look, look, look. It's Mike Johns. Hey, Mike oh, hey, Johns. guys. Hi. What's up, y'all? Hey. Come on in. We're, we're thinking about soundtracks, and we're talking oh, about new stuff when it comes to soundtracks. Mike, what, what is the mm-hmm. latest soundtrack you have listened to and like, oh, wait, no, that's a score. Damn it. I was going to say uh, Lady Bird. I really dug that one, but that was a score. <laughs> so never mind. Um, actually, I, I, baby driver, baby Ooh. driver. That's a good that one. That's a really good one. That, yeah, that was solid. Really it one. definitely flowed together. It fit, it fit in with the movie. Uh, Mike, how about you? What's what's the latest soundtrack you've fallen in love with and, and like bought and like you know it's been it's become a part of your rotation. Actually, the this is funny. If I pull this up on my phone, um, uh, there aren't that many like there aren't that many like MP3s that I still put on my phone mm-hmm. like that I'm not streaming. Um, but the number two slot in my recently added mm-hmm. uh, uh, pieces of music is the soundtrack to this movie, um, Metalhead. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, Never uh, heard of it. Yeah. So it was an Icelandic movie that came out in like 2014, 2015. It was like, I think it did the, uh, like the, the festival circuit. Right. And then sort of, yeah, like you can watch it on Amazon, I think. But like, it's about... It's about a girl growing up in um, it's about a girl growing up in rural Iceland and she see, she witnesses her uh, her older brother uh, die in this horrific farming accident. 
And then she deals with that by, one, sliding into a massive depression, and two, uh, assuming his identity as a metalhead. So she, like, takes all the posters off, you know, like, puts them in his room, uh, in her room, uh, you know, you, takes all of his clothes, all of his old metal T-shirts, all of his records, um, and just assumes his identity as a metalhead and starts, like, playing guitar and also acting out in a really, like... Um, Antisocial manner, you know. <laughs> am, am I imagining Steel. this, or did you say that this was a Norwegian film? Uh, Icelandic, Icelandic. I okay, okay. So yeah, Nordic. I, that yeah. has such a like sleepaway camp sound to it. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, the premise. Yeah, it, it, it's like it's really. I mean, it's a movie about like it's a movie about sadness and like how we choose to communicate with each other. And it's also a movie um, where a young woman records a seriously kick-ass black metal demo in her parents' barn. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. There's so many reasons to love it. And like, there's, you know, um, but yeah, we, we, we can, we can get into that. We can get into that later, but yeah, that's the, the latest, uh, (laughs) that's, that's the newest soundtrack that I've, uh, I've been like, I've had in, in my rotation lately. So maybe that's part of it too, is that, um, now I'm jumping to a wild conclusion that I don't even think is true, but these are the thoughts that are going through my brain. I wonder if the soundtrack is bigger with indie films as compared with big blockbusters these days. I have nothing to back Mm. that up, but it feels true thinking that. And I'm not really sure if that's true at all anymore. You know, I, there might be some truth to that if only because the music, it feels like the movie industry has swung more towards like these gigantic, these gigantic blockbusters and away from, and away from, away from like stuff like little miss sunshine. Right. 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 Um, Oh man. That was a good soundtrack. Yeah. You had all that, that Devochka stuff on there. That was, Mm -hmm. that that was solid. Yeah. Like I think the, the last, like, like the guardians of the galaxy. But see, that was less uh, of a soundtrack and more of just like literally a mixtape. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But, I mean, no, there were, those songs were in the movie. Oh, sure. So. Sure. But I guess what I'm saying yeah. is like, I, I have that soundtrack. That soundtrack is like quite literally what's his name's mixtape. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it has, it has no, it has no score on it. It's just, yeah. Like, and don't get me wrong. That's cool. But I feel like that's again, coming back to what we're talking about with, soundtracks being mixtapes or are they something mm-hmm. else? Does that matter? I don't know. A collection, a collection of songs. Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 cause in, in my head, there are four types of soundtracks. Okay. There, okay. There's a score. We all know what a score is. You know, someone wrote songs deliberately to be played in this movie at a very specific time to complement the images on the screen, you know, a score, mm. you know, that's obvious, you know, so, so someone wrote a score to Lord of the Rings, you know, and there it is. That's what it is. Then there's mm-hmm. like a songs soundtrack, which I, I think us talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, like that's a good example of that. You know what I mean? Where it's like, this is a, 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 a number of needle drops that are going to occur in the movie that will thematically fit together, despite the fact that these songs were not created originally to be together. They're, they're, they're separate songs that come together to make something bigger, much like a mixtape, you know? Mm-hmm. Th- then there's like some score, some songs, where it's like, yeah, like um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where it's like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of John Bryan score in the soundtrack, but there's also just a bunch of like, quote unquote, like songs that like, you know, Beck does a song in there and like, oh, oh I can't remember the rest, but there, there, there are quite a few like bands playing songs on that soundtrack. So it's kind of both. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's like the inspired by soundtracks, like um, the, the, the Black Panther uh, soundtrack that I mentioned before. Most of the mm-hmm. songs on the Black Panther soundtrack, the one that uh, Kendrick Lamarck uh, curated, that one, um, most of them aren't in the movie at all. I think maybe one or two. And the rest of them are like inspired by the film, you know, the Black Panther, which is cool. It's a great soundtrack. Um, yeah. So yeah, huh. Well, while we're on this subject, then I, I am I am heavily thinking that that we should uh, we we haven't played the high fidelity game yet today, Tara. I think we should play top five soundtracks. And the only caveat I will give is that I don't think we should do scores because we should do scores later, and then it'll give us twice as many games to play. You, you guys up for this? <laughs> yes. I'm so I am so down. I'm so, so down. down. Uh, all right. Let's do it. Well, let's uh, let, let's all split up. We'll go around the store, uh, f- find everything that we want to talk about, come up here, do some needle drops, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here All we right. go. Uh, let's uh, let's break up, everyone. Off we go. I asked what kind of family she wanted. She said, a family like yours. Learn more about adopting a teen at adoptuskids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. You met the kid, right? I did. He seemed like a killer to you? Cavalry Audio, in association with iHeartRadio, presents the new podcast, Verdict. Do you know what he thought about her? They were fighting about me. What makes you say that? Money, plain and simple. Always is. People who got it don't like people who ain't. The studio responsible for the hit podcast, The Devil Within. I can't lose another son. You want to know if I think he done it? You people need to quit trying to dig up dirt on innocent people. I can't but close my eyes and not see their faces. Comes a gripping new investigative drama series. I pray for him every day. All I do is hope he finds his way home. You are not a killer. Verdict premieres October 19th. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a year since my sister Callie died. Now I can't sleep because every time I close my eyes, Callie's there to wake me up. The insomnia's gotten so bad, I'm not sure what's real anymore. There's a shadow living inside my head. It's angry, and I don't think I can stop it. My name is Harper Hart, and I'll see you in your nightmares. Journey into your own subconscious and listen to See You in Your Nightmares now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sweet Y'all have a surprisingly sprightly metal section, and I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. We all know the rules of the game. Uh, We make up a music-related prompt, and then we all have to answer in the style of a top five countdown. Today's prompt is top five soundtracks. Word. See, what's funny is when I say soundtrack, I almost always throw an extra T at the end. A soundtrack. <laughs> like this, like there, like there's something that like somebody in 1782 like typeset really carefully and like printed off a bunch of leaflets. Uh-huh. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please come see my movie. Please come see my movie. 
so let's see here. Uh, Mike, you're our guest. So let's, okay. let's, let's start with you. Number five, first on your list. Okay. So, um, all right. So I can't promise that I'm not going to like go way over the, the five limit. Well, uh, with you, a bunch of like should, caveats and whatnot. The game, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, I'm going to start, Ooh, let me see where to start with this. Um, okay. Um, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be super obvious. I feel, um, but, uh, I'm going to start at number five with uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou the, from the Wes Anderson film. Yeah. And I'm sorry if I stole one of y'all's already. <laughs> no, that, that, that's, bet, a, that's a great soundtrack. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll probably be some overlap. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great soundtrack. It really is, and like one of the things that I like about it, and one of the things that I think makes a soundtrack really good is, and one of the things that makes a movie good, and this movie good in particular, is that like there's like you were saying, like the soundtrack album should feel like a mixtape from the filmmaker to to the listener. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I made you this. I think you'll like it. Part of what makes mixtapes. Uh, so like fe- like feel so good and personal is that they are that they are personalized and so like because the life aquatic has songs that were recorded not only specifically for the movie but specifically during the movie like they were they were recorded during the filming the um Sue George was part of the cast he was there on set he was playing guitar on camera and like that's what wound up on the soundtrack. And I love that. I love that you can hear the film inside of the soundtrack. And it just, I mean, not only are his, uh, is it Portuguese? Is he singing in Portuguese? Yeah. He's a Brazilian dude. Yeah. Yeah. So like his, his, his renditions of David Bowie songs are so, they're so cool. They're so cool. Yeah. Um, and just the, the mix of, you know, the thing that Wes Anderson does, like throwing together, like, early like stooges and <laughs> along with the zombies and David Bowie. And like, it's just, it's, and, uh, including Mark Mothersbaugh and his scoring. Oh yeah. Like, and, and one of my favorite Mark Mothersbaugh, Wes Anderson cues is in that movie. It's, um, gosh, it's called like ping ping Island, something like that, mm-hmm. where it starts off very digital. It's like, do, 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 do. And then like the <laughs> strings all kick in like, <laughs> like that. It's it's really good. Like yeah. and that's I guess that's another example of like the um there are plenty of songs in there, but there's also the score mixed effortlessly in. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like like a pain. Like for example, I hope I'm not I'm not um um cutting into anyone's list. But no. like um let's see uh the David Bowie, oh speaking of David Bowie, um his soundtrack <laughs> to uh Labyrinth Oh, side yeah. A is all the Bowie tracks and side mm. B is all the Trevor Jones. I think it's Trevor Jones, uh, instrumental stuff or mm-hmm. Trevor Jones, write it. Oh, I wish JJ was here today. <laughs> <laughs> we need a fact anyway, checker. Anyway. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, whoever wrote it, I think it's Trevor Jones, uh, that did all the instrumentals. So side A is all songs. Side B is all score. And I think mm-hmm. yellow submarine, that soundtrack is like that too. And don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. And if you have to divide it where they don't mesh, that's, I think that's a fine way to do it, especially in, in like the, in the format of vinyl, it's almost like you have two yeah. records, you know, 
Mm-hmm. But uh, that that soundtrack, the Life Aquatic soundtrack, it meshes them so nicely. It's just a real pleasant listening experience from top to bottom. Like it just, it's got it's got a nice vibe, a nice flow, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, like it just, it feels like maybe even more so than you know the Rushmore soundtrack, which was undeniably good and the, so good and and the Royal Tenenbaums, like basically anything that 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 he's put his hand on musically. Um, has been worth listening to, but this one in particular, because it feels so personalized, it, yeah, th- that's why it's on my list. Cause it's just, I mean, and also like I, you're, you're not going to hear a more evocative cover of five years oh. <laughs> anywhere. It's so <laughs> yeah. good. It's so good. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so uh, coming in at number four. Okay, so I, <laughs> you have to understand, I'm I've got a stack in front of me that's like like about to topple over. Yeah. So I'm I've I've got to be choosy here. Um, I'm gonna say okay. So we've already mentioned Black Panther, and we have to like acknowledge that you know it's it was one of the best like soundtracks to come out of the like the the last like. F- several years for sure yeah yeah like it yeah so like let's let's just acknowledge that that's probably you know, that that has to be mentioned mm-hmm. but i like it doesn't need to be on the list right like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> i just want to acknowledge it nod at it kendrick lamar's a genius didn't he will he, he won a pulitzer right <laughs> he won a pulitzer for for uh i mean he's to, won to all the awards fly. he's yeah. he deserves it all he, he's just, great Give the man a Nobel. Yeah. He, he deserves it. You know, and here, um, here's the best thing I can say about Kendrick Lamar real quick. Kendrick Lamar is extremely popular and he's extremely experimental and he's ex- extremely yeah. um, faithful to his own desires in his music career. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like if, if someone as popular as Kendrick Lamar was like, oh, and by the way, now I'm doing like a full blown jazz album. Uh, people mm-hmm. would be like, get the mm-hmm. fuck out of here. But To Pimp a Butterfly <laughs> is one of the best albums of the last decade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's extremely popular, and he does whatever yeah. the fuck he wants, and he's really good at it. People, people I, I don't feel, get that, you know? Yeah, I, I feel super lucky to be alive in, you know, just be to be alive and listening to music in a time when we can get, like, back to back to back you know, Good Kid, Mad City, To Pimp a Butterfly, uh, Damn, the Black Panther soundtrack. And also, like, just to throw in, like, just to mention uh, 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 Childish Gambino's uh, most recent album. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, all that stuff came out in a very short period of time. And, uh, you know, that alongside, like, Thundercat and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm going way off topic here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah. but I know what you're saying, which is basically, it's really fun to watch the progression of music in real time. You know, oh, yeah. like it, it's, and, and it's like, great to look in the past and, and be like, and read about it and go, Oh, that's interesting. You know? So, so Brian, uh, uh Brian Wilson, he heard Sergeant Pepper and that made him <laughs> do this. Like, that's cool, but I wasn't alive. So it's all theoretical <laughs> and just uh, words on a page. Yeah. We are hearing in real time. And this is a rumor, but I, I take it as fact because it's a damn good story, which is that when David Bowie heard to pimp a butterfly that influenced him to go back to the saxophone. And that's what he, that's why he made black star. Oh, wow. I can't back that up. That is complete hearsay, but that is something I was told and I hope it's true. That I hope that's true too. That's too. Go, that's going in my head canon. That's like that's true as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. That's so if, if I were smarter, I would look it up and confirm it. I'm not going to. I'm just going to say <laughs> allegedly, and now it's all cool. 
But I, I, I want that story to be true because it makes me yeah. so happy just to picture old man David Bowie listening to, to Pimp a Butterfly and going, yes, yeah, I know what yeah. I'll do next. And him being yeah, influenced, no, let's, you know? In fact, let, let's, not, let's not look it up. No. Let's, let's let things, <laughs> let's, let, let's let rumors spread. Let's let legend grow mm-hmm. and just like let things be not unconfirmed. I, I'm fine with that world. Let, it's, it's cool. Totally. Um, but wait, so is this on your soundtrack list or no? It's okay. It's somewhere. It's like in the, it's it's in the it's in the pile. It's in the it's in the very it, the the pile that's that's about to topple off the counter. So it's here. on your short list, but it's not yeah, in your top, top five. We are spending exactly. a lot of time talking about something that's not in your top five. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just you know just I just want like last thing I want to say about that. I just I'm I'm very happy that we live in a time when we are allowing artists to experiment and like, and, and be things that we don't expect them to be mm-hmm. and, and have that be, have that exist in the pop music realm, you know, that, you know, you Kendrick Lamar can release what is basically a rap jazz album. Yeah. Um, yeah. And have that be one of the best selling albums of the year. Yeah. Where the okay, fucking so. president is talking about how good it is. You know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> exactly. I'm exactly. sorry. We're spending too much time on this. Please give us your number four. <laughs> okay. So I, I did. Um, so I spent a little bit, a bit of time last year writing about um, writing about soundtrack albums. Cause there's a very specific subset of music movies um, that I, I find that I'm like super enamored with. And so there's, you know, there's always, there's these movies about musicians and there's a whole bunch of different kinds like you know there's the ones about the famous ones like ray and walk the line mm-hmm. um but the 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 movies about musicians that i really love are like the really hard scrabble um the really hard scrabble stories of people trying to make it like uh, people who dream of singing someday um and here i'm talking about movies like like hustle and flow and uh like i i talked about metalhead earlier this you know this this girl in the middle of nowhere who records a black metal demo in her parents uh in her parents barn um so on that list is this recent movie uh that came out called wild rose Box of dreams hid under my bed. Follow the bright light. Hmm. Um, Wild Rose uh, stars uh, Jesse Buckley um, as a uh, an aspiring country singer in Glasgow, oh. and uh, who at the very beginning of the movie is just getting out of jail after being there for a year after getting busted for heroin. (laughs) Um, And she goes back home to like uh, to her mom and her two children who her mom's been watching her kids. And she sort of like goes back into the role of like tries to pick back up where her life left off, uh, you know, trying to be a single mother, um, but also like really picks back up with this dream of like going to Nashville and making it as a country singer. Um, and the soundtrack to this, uh, this, this movie is just, it's so, it's so fun. Hmm. Like it's full of like these, it's full of like both classic country songs and also these new songs that were like actually performed by Jesse Buckley. Like in a just world, I think people would be talking about this movie as much as they were talking about, um, uh, a star is born a few years ago. Hmm. Like, cause it, it's of the, it's, I think in that same, it exists in that same universe of, um, you know, stories about country music that also includes like wild, uh, wild heart or crazy heart and, and, and movies like that. 
Um, I like that I'm getting some solid movie recommendations from you in your music yeah, recommendations. It's, this is it's, good. It's really, it's really good. Like Jesse Buckley right now is uh, she most recently starred in um, the Netflix, uh, the Netflix adaptation, uh, the 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 Charlie Kaufman movie. I've been uh, I've been thinking about. Oh, things. I love that movie. But, who, who is yeah. she in that? Oh. She's the she's the main character. She, she, she's the one who's thinking of ending things. Gotcha. Exactly. <laughs> she, yeah. she is not Meth Damon. She's Meth Damon's girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> oh, I guess I should use his real name. She is not Jesse Plemons. I apologize for calling him Meth Damon. That's that's how I learned his name. I apologize. I should not call him that. No, we can call that a mnemonic device. That's fine. Yeah, it's because, you know, he, he showed up on Breaking Bad. He looked like mm-hmm. Matt Damon. That show's about meth. He's called Meth Damon. I apologize. Er- ergo, yeah. No, it makes sense. He, he's a wonderful um, actor. I should not minimize him as such. I really like Jesse Plemons. But also, he he does look like a busted Matt Damon. So, so, so <laughs> is, is she Glaswegian? Is she from no. Glasgow? No, I think she's Irish. I okay, think. gotcha. But uh, just judge it, in, I'm thinking of ending things. I couldn't tell mm-hmm. at all. I just thought she was a standard American. She, she's good with that accent. I watched some interviews with her um, uh, around the time the movie came out, and like she, she's speaking what sounds like an Irish accent, but she talks about having to like hang hang out around Glasgow and like really pick up the uh, really pick up the accent. Mm. Um, <laughs> Like she said that she used uh, she used the phrase uh, the Spice Girls uh, to try to to like sort of <laughs> kickstart her way into the accent because like in her normal accent it's pronounced one way but in Glasgow it's Spice Girls like there's, oh. <laughs> there's that thing that happens with the tongue there yeah um, wow but yeah so the, like one of the interesting things about the about this soundtrack is you know one. It's got a bunch of cool country songs on it that the actual star of the movie sang. They're really good. They're heartrending. Um, but there's like this story about um, this soundtrack. Uh, so that y'all remember the actress uh, Mary Steenburgen? For sure. Uh, yeah, she no. was in Back to the Future <laughs> 3. She played Car- Clara. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she's in a oh. bunch of stuff, but I remember her yelling Emmett a whole bunch. That's my <laughs> right. memory of her. Um, <laughs> so um, she went in to get like a, a routine sort of like medical procedure done like she had to have surgery like on her arm or something Mm -hmm. and for some reason that did something in her brain and she started like she sort of it kind of gave her synesthesia a little (gasps) bit like she started like hearing music all of the time and it got in the way of her auditioning for roles and acting and so she sort of had to give that up like she had to give up acting which she'd been doing for decades at that point wow and while no. she was afflicted with this, she was like, well, I might as well, like, I'm hearing music everywhere I go all of the time. I might as well try to write some songs. Wow. And so she did. She started writing songs. And uh, because she's inside of the movie industry, um, she heard about this movie that they were, you know, that was that the studio was working on, Wild, uh, Wild Rose, and was like, hey, let me take a crack at, let me take a crack at this. Um, cause they were like, that movie was casting about for, they were, they were trying to figure out what their big climactic number is mm-hmm. because in these movies, the big, like the most, the important thing in the movie is that it ends with this climactic number where our heroines, you know, steps up to the microphone and in, in the audience is everybody that she's ever known. <laughs> and she sings a song that summarizes her entire life, like. And, and just 
communicates all of her hopes and dreams and pain. And in this movie, that is a song called Glasgow. Hmm. That was, and it was written by Mary Steenburgen after she had read the script and then went back and wrote a song to match that. And it's really good, y'all. <laughs> it's really good. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's just like, so like there's this fun combination of like both like surface level and meta story going on with the soundtrack that makes it like it, it at least in a recent memory, it's one of my one of my favorite soundtracks that that has come out. That, that, that so, is an epic explanation of a thing I've yeah. never heard of. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm excited to check this out. <laughs> yeah. All right. How about number three? What you got for us? Okay. Number three. This is okay. <laughs> Y'all were both in high school in the nineties. So I think that you'll appreciate this. <laughs> I think we're um, all Gen Xers here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm a cusp. I'm like, I'm like an old millennial. I, I, yeah, so no, that, no. I, I, I understand <laughs> what you're saying. Yes. So um, I, I, I feel I w- like the, the definition for me, because other people have different rules. If yeah. you grew up and you lived through grunge the first time, you're Gen yeah. X. That, that's that's yeah, my okay. definition. It's like, if, if you were there when Kurt died, you're, you're Gen X, you know? Okay. That, that, that's my definition. But, but anyway. I can, I can get with that. Yeah, I can get yeah. with that. But, but yes, I, I believe we are all of the same ilk. At, at least okay. we will have the same touch points. So I, want, I, need, I, I need to bring this up because uh, this is the Josie <laughs> and the Pussycat soundtrack. <laughs> And I don't know that anybody will be with me on this, but the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack <laughs> is, at, especially now, uh, in uh, in in our day and age. Let's, let's uh, just let's just pause. We got We got to focus on this. The Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack, and we're not talking about the 1960s like animated series, no. of which there are some very solid songs on there. We're talking about the 1990s terror read. Uh, who are the others in that movie? Rachel Lee Cook yes, and, and Rosario uh, Dawson. Yes. Yes. We're talking uh, about that playing, movie. Okay. Yeah. W- okay. Which was also a vehicle for, um, oh man, uh, for who else was in that movie? That guy from the OC. I forget his name. <laughs> a few others. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Parker, po- Parker Posey was in this movie. Yes. I love uh, Parker Posey. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's an, it one, it's an amazing film that I think like, um, was a little bit ahead of its time. Oh yeah, no, uh, it's, it's very like, meta. Yeah, as far as talking about like, you know, sort of like the manipulation that happens inside of the music industry and inside of entertainment. Um, but also it's such a fun, <laughs> such a fun pop punk soundtrack that was written by Adam Schlesinger from the uh, from Fountains of Wayne, mm-hmm. <laughs> who oh. we lost recently. So R. this R. is P. like, yeah. yeah, so this is sort of like a, a lost Fountains of Wayne album. Right. Um, it was co-written by Adam Duritz from The Counting Crows. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, and it was, uh, the entire thing was sung by Kay Hanley from uh, from Letters to Cleo. Wow. Like, I, I did not expect any of those words to come out of your mouth. And I've seen this film. <laughs> and, so, it was, yeah. and it was produced by Babyface. Like what? this. <laughs> yeah. You Wait, just keep adding layers. not. I don't think this movie's from the '90s, actually. It's from 2001. It? It's from 2001. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. I was thinking, like, I don't, I feel like I was already in college when this came out. Totally. Yeah. So, like, but it's crazy though. I didn't know that Adam Duritz was part of that at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, or Babyface. Yeah, or Babyface. <laughs> it, 
it was a big deal. Like there was like they went to like camp. Like everybody went to like songwriting camp together and like wrote these songs. But like if yeah, just like get, give give it a spin. Like it's a it it that as an album, hmm. it stands up on its own. I think like if 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 somebody released like this soundtrack just as like a pop punk album mm-hmm. and said hey like this this was a this was a band back in like they they were signed like they originally signed to J Tree and then they like made the jump to the majors in 2001 and they put out this album that like immediately tanked and nobody remembers it like you'd be like oh this is like a lost classic because there's some like bangers on this thing i'm i'm going <laughs> to try this little trick of yours this this ruse that you're proposing i'm going to do that to someone i'm going to i'm going to go into like you know the uh, the metadata inside the mp3s <laughs> send it to a friend and go listen yeah. to this and i'll see what they I say mean- I really wish that there was like a full soundtrack of Josie and the Pussycats songs by Juliana Hatfield from that Saturday morning cartoons. Oh my God. Compilation, which I don't, it's not a soundtrack. It's a compilation, but yeah. Right. Also like immortal. That's one of those, like that and the, um, oh man, what was the other one that came out around that time? The schoolhouse rocks. Oh yeah. 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 It's a good like tribute album, man. So good. That Mm -hmm. like, and it was bonkers all over the place like Chavez was on that thing yeah we need to actually we need to put this um on our our game Mm -hmm. list uh what would we call it yeah top five compilations yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. oh like no alternative would have to go on there somewhere um (laughs) dark was the night oh anyway we're we're getting off subject (laughs) wait are we on that was your number three that was my number three number two hit us okay number two um number two i'm gonna go with the uh this is probably the whitest thing on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if Josie and the Pussycats was not white <laughs> enough, for, uh, but the the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. Ah, now now, um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack is that an inspired by soundtrack? What's the actual title no, on the cover say? What's it say? Music from a film by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Gotcha, gotcha. Because because I remember I was working at a record store when that came out, and I remember that there was there were multiple Oh Brother Where Art Thou albums that came out in a row. Do you remember yeah, this? Yeah, there was. Yeah, the the second one that came out was called Down from the Mountain or mm-hmm. something along those lines, and that was like they put together a live concert with featuring everybody that performed on the soundtrack, and they all oh, like toured okay. around and like yeah. So there was a live album that came out. Uh, in the wake of this because it was such a popular soundtrack. Oh, yeah. But yeah, T-Bone Burnett uh, produced it. And man, like who's who of like Americana and Bluegrass, uh, you know, Alison Krauss, uh, Norman Blake, uh, blah, 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 the Cox family. Uh, the, I think I'm pretty sure that this was the thing that introduced me to Gillian, uh, to Gillian Welch. Yeah. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think it's Gillian Welch. Gillian mm. Welch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pre- yeah. I think that this was the thing that, uh, introduced me to Gillian Welch. Interesting. Um, but no, yeah. and, and, and man, having a solid vibe from top to bottom, that is a vibe filled album that is just oh, yeah. all together. <laughs> like it's it's, it's oh. one. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, right. Nice. I, I dig that. You said that was your number two? Yeah, that's the number two. Nice. Um, there's a whole bunch that I'm 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 skipping over. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll hit our short lists later. Yeah, Don't okay. worry, because yeah. it'll it'll Excellent. come up. <laughs> I got a whole bunch more. Good. Good. All right, but here, number right. one. I'm I'm excited to hear it. Okay, I'm gonna break. Um, I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm gonna break format a little bit oh, for my number one. What you doing? 
Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna declare I'm going to declare a tie. Oh, okay. For okay. Type one. Okay. Like, Sounds like a cheat, but okay. <laughs> it is. A t- it's totally a cheat. All it's right. totally a cheat. But also, who cares? Right. Um, you I do. care. I'm, damn it! I had to make it five. I'm, five only. <laughs> Tara, I'm. I, I'll send you a fruit basket. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got your next coffee. Um, nice. I'm going to declare a tie between the crow. Nice. And Lost Highway. Sweeter than wine. Softer than a summer's night. Everything I want to have. Ooh. Oh. Interesting. You know, I understand why those two would be tied together. I understand yeah. that. I they, understand they are, that. Yeah. They are forever linked. Like, they, there's there's really no separating the two of them. Like, if, if I was going to go with one over the other... I was way more into the Lost Highway soundtrack when it came out than The Crow, so I might lean a little bit more that way, but man, like, they're both so, so killer. Like, The Crow soundtrack was everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's undeniable. That The Cure song that it opens with is so good. I I feel like they actually sold the movie more on the soundtrack than the content of the film. Like, you know, like, I think you might be right. Whenever I saw anything, including the trailers or promotional I stuff for know. The Crow, they talked about, well, obviously they t- talked about uh, um, Brandon Lee a lot, obviously. Yeah. But As I, a teenage girl in the 90s, that <laughs> was really the selling factor for me. <laughs> Tara, was this was this like big for you? Was like was The Crow soundtrack, like, was that big for you at the time? Yes, it was yeah. very, very huge. <laughs> Excellent. But yeah, man, like, like the Lost Highway had... It has it had that thing, man. Like mm-hmm. you know, like the, the the allure of a you know a weirdo David Lynch movie, um, which for certain yeah. teenagers was like a huge selling point. Right. I <laughs> like, mean, it had Angelo. What's his face from the Twin Peaks? Yeah, soundtrack ba- on the Lost Highway soundtrack. Angelo Badalamenti. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like, and and his stuff was it was weird and moody yeah. and like. The movie was also like weird and moody and violent and just weird, just weird. Like, and it was, and it was super cool. Henry Rollins was in that movie. What, what, what was he doing in there? He played a cop. Why? Oh, he would um, be such a good cop. Yeah, I've actually, I don't remember ever seeing that movie, so I need to watch it. It's, it's, it's real weird. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, if you if you want to see uh, if you want to see Bill Pullman absolutely going ape shit on a uh, on a saxophone, there there you go. Uh, I, I absolutely love how diverse your list is. We went from really Oh diverse. Brother, Where Art Thou to <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats to Lost Highway. That's I, like, all and over. And some random, like, wild rose, like, Irish country music situation. Yeah, yeah totally. Like, I mean, this, I think the thing that, like, I think the thing that ties them all together for me is the fact that, like, I really like all of these movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. They Like, they're all, like... Part of why, like, part of my, like, criteria for choosing these um, was that they they had to be a little bit more than just, like, a collection of songs. Mm-hmm. Like, otherwise, like, you know, something like the 24-Hour Party People soundtrack would have made it <laughs> onto my list. Yeah. Um, just because, one. like, you know, it, it's got Joy Division and New Order and the Sex Pistols and, uh, the, like, uh, the Happy Mondays and, and, and all that stuff. But, it, like, it just, it, it kind of lacks... 
an oomph. It doesn't like, you know, it's a it's a cool collection of songs, but it doesn't really remind me of the movie because the movie is such a singular experience. I'll follow you. But yeah. like the lo- like the Lost Highway soundtrack has it's it sort of has that whole it it contains the vibe of the movie, which is this is some weird stuff going on. Like there's this sort of like ominous jazz that flows through it. You get out and out metal with like, you know, the the Ramstein and there's a couple of Marilyn Manson tracks on it. There's a seriously kick-ass like, um, uh, smashing pumpkins song on it that, you know, from their electronic era. I think this was right around the time that like, um, a door came out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like it's, so it's got that it's got, you know, Billy Corgan being weird. Um, and it also, and man, like the, the, the Trent Reznor stuff and the nine inch nail stuff on it is maybe some of the best stuff that they ever did. Yeah. Like it's, it's a seriously awesome soundtrack that like really, uh, uh, ties together the, the mood of the, um, the mood of the movie. And I think that like everything that I've picked, like definitely does that. It has that sort of personalized, um, you know that this isn't just a mixtape. This is like this is part of the experience of the film. Yeah, you can definitely uh, feel the stamp of the movie on each yeah. of the soundtracks you picked. You know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, hey, Tara, um, Tara, how about you? Yeah. I'm so looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mine is so predictable, honestly. If you know me, if you know me at all, this like list of soundtracks is like Tara. The essence of Tara. Like, <laughs> here for it. I'm here for it, though. Um, all right. Number five, 1996, Boslerman's Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. You want me? Well, come on and break the Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I loved it so much when it came out. I loved the movie. I loved Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> um, but no, like I listened to this soundtrack so much. Um, I could hear after I, after I hear like everybody's free that song, I could mm-hmm. hear the next song automatically playing before it even does. Like oh. if I hear, if I hear any of these songs, not on the soundtrack, I can always just hear what the next song is going to be just because I listen to it so much. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how you can tell it's like imprinted on your heart. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. But I mean, we, it has the cardigans, um, Radiohead, garbage. Um, there's actually that, that song. It's like super sweet song by this, um, I don't know if it's a band or just a dude named Gavin Friday. Like that song is so, it's called Angel. I don't even know, like, where is this person now? It's yeah. such a good song. Um, but yeah, even uh, Prince, When Doves Cry. Um, <laughs> is not, there one or two version, Radiohead but, songs on there? Is it just um, talk show hosts? I think it's two talk show hosts and... Extra music. music for a film. Yeah. But I, feel, Which I, I remember, I remember both, music for a film is in the film, but is it on the soundtrack? Yes. Um, that's a good question. I can't remember actually. Me either. Because I do remember no, I like- I think it's just radio. I think it's just um, talk show host on the soundtrack. So yeah, so there's two songs in the movie, but only one on the soundtrack. That makes sense. Yeah. Kind of, kind of I, like mixtape rules. You don't want to put two from the same artist on the same mixtape usually. Kind of like that. That's a rule that was made to be broken. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I also agree. <laughs> but I do I do remember like, like before OK Computer came out, like- Radiohead fans were were like sneaking tape recorders into 
screenings of yeah. Romeo and Juliet because like, oh, there's this unreleased Radiohead song in mm-hmm. it. You need to you need to have this. And it's a great song. It's really, really good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay, so that was number five. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, we've already we have mentioned it already. Um, not in a list though, and that is Tank Girl. Yes. Yes. Uh, from 1995, this soundtrack is jam-packed with the most amazing bands and and so many different vibes. I mean, it has Bjork, Hole, Devo, Ice T, Portishead. Like, it is jam-packed. <laughs> it's so bonkers. I know it's so good. Of course, Ice T has to be on there because he's in the movie. Right. There was probably it was probably like in his contract, right? Like, yes. it, if I'm gonna be in this movie. I also have to be on the soundtrack. I don't care. I hope he still um, has that in his contract. So they have to like sneak Ice T songs into Law and Order SVU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and. The world, I'm sorry, the world just needs a little bit more Lori Petty. Yeah. I love that movie so much. Agreed. No, she, she's she's absolutely a killer, and I, I love the vibe of that movie. And one of the things I also love about that movie is in my life, it has been a really good like litmus test for people I like. Like when a friend will tell me, it's like, oh man, you ever seen Tank Girl? I love that movie. I'm like, oh, you're all right. <laughs> you know? And yes. I don't I don't know why... For some reason, that is like a nice deciding factor in a human being. But at least in my experience, good people like Tank Girl and bad people don't like Tank Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't explain why that is. It's just bonus. Yeah. That's my experience in my life. <laughs> and bonus points if they know that it was from a comic. Yes. If yes. they don't, then they still need a little bit of work to do on, right. them, on themselves. But at least they're, they're on, <laughs> on the path to uh, to enjoying yeah. Jamie Hewlett's art. And then, then you can yeah. you can, then you can talk to him about gorillas and have a grand old time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So number three is actually my favorite movie of all time. Um, just because the time of my life that I saw it really impacted me and like drove me to make some further decisions around um, just education and things. And that movie is from 1996, um, Stealing Beauty. I don't Tell think I Bernardo Bernardo Bertolucci. Um oh. and Liv Tyler is in this movie. Um it's just a beautiful film set in Italy and Liv Tyler goes off to find her dad, but also this guy who she fell in love with when she was younger and he used to write her postcards. So she's kind of just like it's kind of a coming of age tale, I guess, um, in a way. But the soundtrack has Hoover Phonic, Mazzy Star, Liz Fair, Cocteau Twins. Mm. <laughs> it is awesome. Now, does the movie take place in Italy? Yeah, it does. That's that's really cool because it's almost like um, a very American sound and imprint on Italy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, like, if, I think a lot of people, if they uh, set a film, uh, you know. Uh, with an American in an international location, the soundtrack automatically kind of adopts that international vibe. I, so I, true. I kind of dig that it's it's um it's almost her imprint on the place rather than the place's imprint yeah. on her. 
Yeah, sort of the, the playing the Lost in Translation game. Yeah, like, where it's it's in Japan, but we're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna Kevin Shields this place up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and actually, like that's such a good point. I never really thought of it that way. I wonder if. I wonder if Liv Tyler played any part in like choosing these songs. Yeah. I mean, in my head, Liv Tyler has great taste in music because she was in um, um, uh, Empire Records, you know? Yeah. I don't know if that's true, (laughs) but because I associate her with that character, I assume she has great taste in music. Yeah. I mean, she was also married to that guy from uh, Air. um, Wait. What's the no? She was called? she was married. She was married in the to, meantime. Uh, uh, Space Hog. She was Space married Hog. to Space Hog. Space Ro- yeah. Royston. Mm. Ro- Ro- yes. What What's his name? I forget. The his bass last player. Name. Yeah. That, I mean the the dude did write the bass line to in the meantime, which I mean he it's really good. <laughs> yeah. That that means you deserve Liv Tyler for a wife. Well, and sure. plus, aren't two of her father's famous musicians? I know Steven yes. Tyler is her birth father, and then who's the father who she thought was her father? It was another um, musician, right? Yeah, it's a uh, hello, it's me, Todd Rundgren. Oh, so, so she, <laughs> wow, that's I mean, that's, I that's amazing. That. What what a pedigree, you know? Yeah, to like I mean, have two fathers in well. life. Yeah, her mom is Baby Well too, who was like the famous like Band Aid like um, mm-hmm. groupie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The soundtrack though is so good. I I'm gonna have to look so this much. up because that's that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I wish that they would do a vinyl pressing of it. Right. Word. I would buy it immediately. <laughs> also, Portishead is on this one. So my last, like, two have had Portishead on. on <laughs> Portishead's um, great. Yeah. Should I continue? Oh, please. please. So, so that was your number three, right? That was three, okay. yeah. All right, so number two, we have also talked about, and I tried to not say anything when you were talking about it because I knew it would come up again, and that is the Crow soundtrack. Hell nice. yeah. <laughs> so, so we got some um, overlap. We got some overlap Yeah, you, you were like, was that big for you? And I wanted to be like, mm, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, please don't ask me these questions right now because I have to talk about it again later. <laughs> um, no, yeah, uh, the Crow soundtrack. I mean, not only is the soundtrack a top for me, it's also one of my favorite mov- movies of all time. And, and also this soundtrack is kind of like a collection of cover songs if you think about it yeah hmm. yeah because you have rollins band which does a cover of suicides ghost rider mm-hmm. then nine inch nails covers joy divisions dead souls and pantera covers um poison idea which is, i think is a, like a punk band from the past called the badge and then also rage against the machine covers zach de la roche's old cover ba- or old band um called inside, inside out. out yeah yeah so yeah, it's just kind of funny that there's so many covers on this soundtrack, but yeah, I don't that know. Pa- I just love, oh, sorry. Go ahead. That that Pantera cover is, is really, it was really surprising at the time. I remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's such an industrial sounding soundtrack and, you know, heavy and the goth elements, which I love, but the cure is probably my maybe my number one band of uh, favorite band of all time and burn is like one of their best songs ever. I saw mm. them live kind of recently and they do so many encores. And I was like, my God, if they do not play burn in one of these 
encores, I'm just going to scream, but um, they did. It was their fourth encore, so they did Holy squeeze it in. I know, crap. I know. I was like, how are they going this long? But yeah, it was amazing. What, to what hear year that was that show? Live. What year was that show? That, that was like show? not too long ago. I want to say it was like 2013 or something like that. I, lo- I love that they're still playing it then. That's great. 2014, maybe 2015, I don't know, something like that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, amazing soundtrack. Um, and I got that one on vinyl because they did a record store release of it. And I was like, fuck yes. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> Jealous. Um, <laughs> all right. Number one. Roll, number one is Purple Rain. It's it's both perfect and so obvious, but it's so true. Yeah. It, it needs to yes. be purple rain. Yeah, it has yeah. to be. It has to be. Um, the beautiful ones. That song is like one of my favorite songs on the soundtrack. But I heard actually that Purple Rain wasn't so. The director uh, Prince gave the director um, like a list of songs that he should include on like a hundred songs that he could choose from to put on the soundtrack. And actually Purple Rain wasn't even on that list. Um, The director, I think, heard it when Prince played it at like First Ave or something. Um, But it's like the whole movie is called Purple Rain now because of it. And that song is just such an epic song. It's cool how things like that happen. It's, It's astonishing too that like, I do not think of that album as a soundtrack. Obviously it is. But I've, I've listened yeah. to that as an album way more than I've seen the movie. Like I've seen that movie once or twice, but I've listened to that album as an album hundreds of times. And it just, and even the songs individually feel like they're from the album, not from the movie. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. and the, the cover doesn't feel like the movie poster, even though it is, it feels like the cover of the album. Like, like I know I'm wrong, but it, it just, <laughs> it, it feels like it exists beyond the soundtrack. You know, it, it exists as its own thing and the soundtrack and the film also exists, but the soundtrack is the thing, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I think it is. It seems like it's like one of Prince's best albums. It doesn't seem like a soundtrack to a movie. Right. So I know what you mean. Yeah. That, um, yeah. That's, that's not a hard, that's not an easy feat to pull off for an artist for like your soundtrack album to be one of your best albums. Like, yeah. Who, yeah. Else, who else has done that? Who else like, has done I, I, that? I, I, I can't think of any. <laughs> I, like, I know that there's some good stuff on Fugazi's instrument and I know that there's like, like I mean, the Cat Stevens, Harold and Maude, like yeah, album. People is, like that. It's pretty good, but like, but they're no, they're just considered think... additional albums in their discography. They're yeah. not considered like like I bet many people would argue that Purple Rain is Prince's best album. I, I I bet there's at least a quarter of his fans who would say that. So that being the case, and the fact that it's just it. <laughs> Not just not just a soundtrack, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's no Flash Gordon. It's no, <laughs> <laughs> but. It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, actually, I, I have one in um, my list that may, well, no, no, I, I can't even say it. I, 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 first of all, I won't give it away yet. But in addition to that, no, I yeah. wouldn't call it one of their best. You'll see. It's my number five. But please, Tara, continue. Oh, I was just going to say also that um, I was in an all-girl band in college in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we were called Trapper Keeper, and we did a cover of Darling Nikki, and it was the <laughs> coolest thing ever. God damn, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
And that's my favorite song <laughs> off that uh, off that soundtrack. And that's, that's and it's like stiff competition too. I mean, and think about how, like how people freak out about WAP, yes. how dirty that song was like back in the day, <laughs> Darling Nikki. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Top five. Hell yeah, it. man. That was a good list. Thanks. Well, you're number five. Wait, no, your number one bleeds into my number five in the way that same thing. It's a soundtrack album, but I feel like it is just an album. And that is uh, the 2006 soundtrack by Outkast, Idlewild. Hell yes. You take me I mean, All right. the the interesting thing about it is that like, I think on the whole, because tr- the, the whole album, I think is 25 tracks. A bunch of them are like clips from the film and some like, like, um you know, skit kind of stuff, but there are only seven are, are songs. We, are we, are we pro that by the way? Or are we, are we pro or anti that? Like having, having film clips. Cause like, I know <sighs> that this, the, the snatch soundtrack does it too. Yeah. No, there, there, there's a few that do it. I will say that when it comes to my favorites, most of them don't do that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I can't yeah, say yeah. I am 100% opposed, but I will say that most people don't do it smartly, you know? <laughs> it's a hard thing. It's a hard needle to thread. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so so there's only seven tracks from the film that are actually on the soundtrack, and the rest are just, just songs. And so to me, just because I love Outkast, I just listened to it immediately as an album because I was really excited. I was like, oh, of course, new album, let's get this. And I got it and I listened to it and I'm like, hey, new album, this is great. And then I saw the movie and I was like, oh, and there's that song. And that's why that makes sense. <laughs> oh, okay. And so, and then obviously I've listened to the album way more than I've seen the film just because, you know, I listen to music way more than I watch movies. And I, I feel like, it imprinted on me as an album so much harder than the movie did. And I don't know if that's my fault or it's fault. I don't know whose fault it is, but it is a fact. And um, <laughs> it's also just interesting to me too, because like in the way Outkast's career went, you know, um, it was preceded by um, Speaker Box slash The Love Below when they had split off and, you know, Big Boy and mm-hmm. um, 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 Andre 3000 <laughs> had uh, done like their solo things. And then this was them like coming back together. You know, this was them like rejoining their forces to do another great album. And then the fact that it turned out to be their last album also is strange because like their last album is a soundtrack, you know, like that's just kind of weird for a, for a group as legendary as Outkast is. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just love it. It's, 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 it's a great vibe. It's great to listen to. And the movie's real good too. If, if anyone watches the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I do appreciate that. We we found a way to put Outcast somewhere in yeah. <laughs> somewhere in this episode. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> okay, my number four. The year is 1998. The soundtrack, Velvet Goldmine. That's really good. Oh shit, that should have been one of mine. Okay. I, I I love the movie. Um, I remember when I first saw it, I, it, it felt like it was almost like a joke that it existed. Like that someone was like, "Hey, you want to see this like super stylized um, story about the perhaps fake relationship, romantic relationship between uh, David Bowie and Iggy Pop?" And it's like, <laughs> of course I want to see that. It's like, oh, it's you know, starring Ewan McGregor and Christian Bale. I'm like, what? <laughs> 
talking about? You know, wait, was it was it Christian Bale or was it? Uh, oh man, Re- uh, Reese. Oh, was oh it, was he was uh, Christian Bale. Was the uh, journalist who was investigating? Oh, that's because oh, the that's David right. Bowie character had like disappeared. So like you know, the Christian Bale was going around like like talking to everyone, being like, "Hey, what happened to David Bowie?" Or you know, his fake name. <laughs> <laughs> but um. It's just got such like a fun, like a uh, glam rock, but seen through the prism of the '90s vibe, which is just that's a, that's a very specific vibe. And so, um, <laughs> the the story I heard was that basically when uh, the director Todd Haynes, when he brought his his film to David Bowie, so we could like license some songs and make it like the David Bowie movie. Bowie saw the script and he was like, oh, wait, you got a lot of these facts from my ex-wife's book, from Angie Bowie's book. He's like, nah, 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 nah. That, these aren't true. I don't want a movie like this. I hate this. Goodbye. So so he did not agree to have any songs in the movie. He couldn't use the name David Bowie. He couldn't do anything. So he just kind of made up a bunch of bullshit. But it all <laughs> feels like like a mirror of reality, but super heightened and super weird. And so the music is like that too. So like, for example... There are two fake bands in the movie. There's the Venus and Furs, um, mm-hmm. which is it's a fake English band where it's got members of Radiohead, um, members of uh, Suede, uh, Roxy Music, and a bunch of other folks. And they're all creating like these originals and these fake covers of glam rock songs. And Tom York's doing most of the lead singing, which is amazing because I love Radiohead more than anything, pretty much. And then, like, for Iggy Pop's band, the Wild Rats, they actually got members of the Stooges to pretend to be the fake members of these fake Stooges, along with members of Mud Honey, members of Sonic Youth. And, oh and they're God. doing like, all these, like, American songs. And it just it just feels so good. And it, because a lot of it is covers, kind of like you guys were saying with um, uh, the, the Crow soundtrack, it just, it, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, it almost, like, creates its own reality by creating songs that are familiar but are covered it's 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 an odd world and then um uh, a little ps to it i have a friend who who's an older guy who actually lived through the glam rock era and when i told him how much i love this movie and love this soundtrack he was like nah man it's no good and i'm like no no how how can you say that it's great he's like i lived through it so watching it as this weird like you know bastardization of things that are actually true and good is just kind of odd. And I realized what he meant. I'm going to go very specific. I I presume no one will know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's this terrible episode of the Simpsons and I'm going to say season (laughs) like, I I think it's, it's, it's really late. I think it's season 19 in that season of the Simpsons. They had to, they had to go back in the past and change how Homer and Marge got together because originally, in like the first season of The Simpsons, they got together in the 70s because the, the show started in 89. But now, since it had been on for so long, they had to go back and retcon it so that they were dating in the 90s. And when they were in college, Homer was in this um, uh, fake Nirvana band called Sadgasm. And it was this whole like grunge thing. And watching it, I was like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. Like this is this has nothing to do with the reality of grunge and what I experienced as a youth, like you know, growing up amongst that world, you know, being from the Pacific Northwest and just kind of like you know, going through all the things that grunge did to us in our generation. Yeah, and so I understood what he meant when he said that in my own small way. I digress. It's a great soundtrack and a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
crazy. I I didn't know anything about this soundtrack or this movie really. Um, I I heard of it, but um, right. I don't think it was very popular. Uh, I don't think it really caught yeah. on, but it's it's wonderful. It's crazy because I feel like I mean it sounds like something I would enjoy. Um, so yeah, I need to check it out. And and plus you're you're a Sonic Youth fan, a number one. So yeah. just having another place where there's some hidden Sonic Youth out there, because mm-hmm. I do know this too, because this is something I've I've purchased recently. Um, so I don't I don't know who has the rights to this and who's doing this, but someone from Sonic Youth has set up a Bandcamp page, and basically they've been releasing all kinds of strange things. There's been three collections called Sonic Youth Rarities. There's Sonic Youth Rarities 1, Sonic Youth Rarities 2, and Sonic Youth Rarities 3. And it's just full of all kinds of live tracks, instrumental demos, just all kinds of wild stuff that I've really enjoyed. But also, uh, someone from Sonic Youth must have discovered Bandcamp recently because all (laughs) the wild rats... And it's not just the stuff from the soundtrack. It is all the sessions of them just like jamming together as the wild rats. So, I mean, I have the the, the thing here. So let's see. Listed on the wild rats is Mark Arm, uh, Ron Ashton, Jim Dunbar, Don Fleming, Thurston Moore, Steve Shelley, and Mike Watt. So it's all of them getting together. Fuck yeah, Watt. Fuck yeah, Watt. (laughs) And, And the things that are released on Bandcamp now is just them you know, palling around, them, them goofing. And you, yeah, you know it, those people, they love to jam, you know? Uh-huh. So they jam a cano, in it, fact. It's just it's just fun. It's It seems fun. like they're releasing something like every time there's a band camp day, like there's yeah. something new. I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, me too. Yeah, send, me that, send me that link because I need that in my life. That's yeah. incredible. It, it's I, fun. Man. It's a, it's a lot yeah. of fun. I do appreciate that Sonic Youth has been like so active on Bandcamp because it's given me a chance to like sort of reconnect with... CDs that sort of I lost along the way right because mm-hmm. like, I I really appreciate like as a 90s kid I really appreciate that like Sonic Youth was there for me like in you know they were in the the bins at like the mall CD store mm-hmm. and with like truly weird shit that you yeah. were, you weren't they were like such a they were such a doorway to experimental music and to um mm-hmm. like uh, modern and contemporary composers, like their whole like uh, SYR release series. Like I remember, I had a copy of Slap Cameras Met Slagrom uh, mm-hmm. on CD that I bought like in an outlet mall somewhere. Like I mean, and it was just I mean, some of the weirdest music I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, uh, that I got at a mall. Like who else? Nobody else can lay claim to that. It feels like they oh, were totally. the one. They were the one like flag bearers for you know just you know let's introduce the 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 weird like the one weird suburbanite kid to like the weird shit that he's going to need you know <laughs> later on in his life so yeah thank you thurston thank you kim <laughs> thank you lee thank you steve <laughs> i was waiting to see who you weren't going to thank i know me too <laughs> and you know what fuck it thank you mark Eibold. there you who, go who, 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 <laughs> what about jim you got to thank jim even though he was only there for yeah, a couple thank, albums <laughs> thank you jim o'rourke i appreciate you you are appreciated thank you for Thank, thank you for Murray Street. That's yes. a really good record. It really is. I, I really enjoy it. that. I love it so much. <laughs> wow, I love it. Yeah, also, if we can just somehow squeeze in Sonic Youth to every single um, game we play. It's going to happen. Okay, my number three. Number three, we're counting it down. Uh, the year's 2002. Soundtrack to Punch Drunk Love. End of the thing. Here we go. 
Now, so good. I love John Bryan so yeah. much. John Bryan is a personal hero of mine. Anything he does, I hoover it up immediately. I love <laughs> everything he does. No questions asked. I'm into it. Um, but this, I feel like he went a little further because it's not just a score. There's a lot of his score in there, and it's actually really experimental and noisy and percussion-based for him. Um, here, here's the story I heard, and I, I assume this is true, but you know, obviously I don't know Paul Thomas Anderson or John Bryan personally, so I don't know. From what I heard, Paul Thomas Anderson had a vibe in his head of what he wanted the movie to be like. So he would just kind of like hum it a bit, be like, and like he would say that and be like, that's that's kind of the vibe for this scene. And so then John Bryan would then listen to that and kind of construct what he interpreted that vibe to be into like a live track. And then he would give that back to Paul Thomas Anderson before he shot the scene. So he would play it while he was shooting it. So it was like this real hand in glove situation that's very uncommon for scoring a film where it actually like, the creator was influencing the per, the, <laughs> the musician at the at the same time as the musician was influencing the actual filming. Like it was just, it's it's a it's a wild thing that I think resulted in this really interesting soundtrack. And then the thing that I think is even better than most John Bryan soundtracks because they're all great. There are these songs peppered through that are just absolutely incredible. Um, the, the real standout being um, Shelley Duvall singing uh, He Needs Me <laughs> from the Popeye mm-hmm. soundtrack. And it's just, it's just I love it. perfect. Like, who knew that would be so perfect? And the rumor, again, allegedly, I don't know facts. I don't know these people. Allegedly, uh, it was because Fiona Apple was listening to um, the Popeye soundtrack a whole, whole bunch when, while she was dating uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. And so it just kind of seeped into his un- uh, uh, subconscious. And then he, he just loved it so much. And it just fit that moment just right. And that's why he, he had to put it in the soundtrack. And um, anyway, I, I think I'm almost cheating by including this in my list because I think it's very close to being a score, but it's almost, not. It, yeah. it, it is yeah. a soundtrack because yeah. it has these other songs on there. Yeah. yeah. I, I just I just want to interject this one tiny thing just mm-hmm. because of who I am as a person. But uh, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen <laughs> oh my did, gosh. did sort of sort of a cover of He Needs Me mm. on, on, on her most recent album, uh, Dedicated. Oh, Um yeah, it like she she basically took that song and kind of retooled it and used the like used the chorus as her chorus. And wow, it's, it, it's really man, what a weird career! Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I, I got to hear that because because that it's, is honestly an incredible song from an incredible movie, and I'm talking mm-hmm. about both. I I, I love the Popeye. Popeye movie, and I yep. really do love Punch Drunk Love, so it's yeah. that's pretty amazing. And of course, Harry Potter. Shout Lennon. out to Robert Altman for the perfect casting choice of Shelley Duvall. Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's the yeah. role she was born to play, and I mean that as a compliment. She she did such oh, an yeah. incredible job. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, did you know that he played in the band Till Tuesday with Amy Mann? What? Yes. <laughs> Isn't that I, crazy? I, I, I didn't I did not know that. <laughs> I, I did know that. And that's why they became such palsies uh, on. And that's why they're both on the soundtrack for Magnolia because they were all like Largo pals oh, back in the yeah. day. Oh, yeah. That makes sense now yeah. too. Yeah. Pretty epic. Also really good soundtrack. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yes. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> man, Paul Thomas Anderson that- 100% has killer soundtracks. There's There isn't a, a, a bum note in the batch. Every single yeah. one of them, especially when he, I mean- I love John Bryan, but I also love Johnny Greenwood. Johnny Greenwood mm-hmm. made some amazing scores for mm-hmm. uh, for Paul Thomas Anderson. They're they're great. Paul Thomas Thomas Anderson is 
a living hero of mine. He's he's an astonishing fella. And I, man, the music videos he does. Did you guys see that? Um, the the little short film he did for Tom York, Paul oh, Thomas Anima? Anderson. Yeah, fuck that oh, was so man. good. I've watched that so many times. <laughs> <sighs> I'm exhausted being excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so digging your enthusiasm. Wait, I love it. I know. You still have two more. You can't get exhausted yet. You're right. You're right. Okay. Next up, um, the year is 1999. This is my number two choice. 1999, music from the adventures of Pete and Pete. That plane in Central Park. <laughs> yes. Oh man, that Polaris song. Oh, yes. it's so good. And and so, um, uh, I mean, I, I love the fact that this children's show had so much indie cred. I mean, fucking um, members of the B-52s, like um, Debbie Harry, uh, Michael Stipe. Um, the, 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 uh, that show was my introduction to, to Stephen Merritt when I was a child. You know what huh. I mean? Like yeah. Magnetic Fields, the Gothic Archies. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, that other band too that he's in, um, Future I mean, Bible Heroes, like like and he, so good. Iggy Pop was a Iggy Pop was a reoccurring character on yeah, that show, he was, right? He was Nona F. Mecklenburg's dad. Yeah, like <laughs> I I love the Adventures of Pete and Pete as an adult and as a child. And the thing it does, which is I, I think very rare, is it's something I loved so much as a child. And as I became an adult, I was like, oh, that's why you are the way you are. And that's kind of like why you loved it. Like you, you understood something as a child that I understand as an adult as well. And I'm, I'm still like in the same vibe. And that makes me very happy for child me. It's a like, good job. You, you liked, you liked Stephen Merritt then I like Stephen Merritt now. We're all cool. You know, I'll hang out with you little kid, but uh, that's a good, that's a good pick. That's it's really, like, it's, it's fun. How does how does it happen that all of these cool bands get involved in a kids show? Well, kids show. I say kids show loosely because right, like it does sort of. It was made for kids. Yeah, across all yeah um, age groups. But yeah, like how how do so many cool artists get involved in something like that? Like well, who who looped them in? You know, right? I, I wonder the same thing. Like nowadays, because like I have a I have a young kid, mm -hmm. and like he's he's been watching a lot of like cartoons, and like the cartoons that are coming out now um, have a very particular. A, a lot of like the the hipper cartoons like have a, a very particular like vibe and uh, casting choices. Right. Like there's a there's a PBS Kids uh, show uh called nature cat that were like most of the cast is like either from uh like either from like straight off a of comedy central or straight off of snl like like taryn kellum is in it uh uh kate mccucci is in the uh kate mckinnon is in the uh in the cast like wow. it's a hmm. like pat pat oswalt does like a surprising amount of voicing for kids <laughs> cartoons like yeah, like there, it, it's it, it's funny, like being an adult and like hearing these voices pop up and being like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's uh, I I don't know, man, like because it, it, you know you got to remember, it's not children making children's TV, right? It's it's, it's grown ups, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. And I, adults I, have friends. <laughs> that that's probably what it was. Someone that was a director or creator for Adventures of Pete and Pete just happened to be you know locked into the '90s like indie and alt scene, and, yeah. and they they were able to put these people in there, like like. Uh, Seeing um, Michael Stipe play the character Captain Scrummy, an ice cream salesman, <laughs> makes me so happy. Because, because, and and I mean this as both an insult and a compliment. Michael Stipe is a terrible actor, and and so I feel so much um, 
like endearing warmth, like from my heart, just be like, oh, you're so bad at this and you're doing it anyway. And it's so like memorable, like Michael Stipe being a bad actor in a single episode of the adventures of Pete and Pete is so memorable to, to me. And it just makes me love him more and more every single day. I, I, I have mirrored how I look as an adult based on a single photo I saw of Michael Stipe once. So... <laughs> It, it's he, he's an important figure in my life. <laughs> uh, rules that rules. <laughs> All right, you guys ready for number one? Yes. All right, let's do it. Okay, number one. To me, this one's pretty obvious, but it, it just it, it's it's just right. It's just right for me. Uh, the year's two thousand nine. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Of course, yes. It had to. So it good. had to get a mention. It had to be it had on here. To. It had to. And and like <laughs> the fact that that Nigel Godrich uh, was the music producer for it, I'm sure helped a lot because his credibility yeah. as you know one of the all time greatest living producers is so up there. You know, everyone respects Nigel Godrich, no question about it. Um, so yeah, and then so they got uh, Beck to write all the songs for Sex Babam. They got Broken Social Scene to write all the songs for Crash and the Boys. They got Metric to write the songs for uh, Clash of Demon Head. So it's like that's a good song too. Oh, Black oh, Sheep. Oof. Yeah, that's 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 a song and a half. It's it's <laughs> fantastic, and, and and so like there is like this like it's like a secret weapon because everyone in this, in this heightened reality is just like a local crummy band, but they're all <laughs> written by these amazing musicians. So it's like, to me, and this is, you know, getting too deep into it, but it's like that feeling when you're a kid and you're seeing all these crummy local bands and in your head, they're like the world's best bands. So it's got like this vibe and you're just kind of like in it deep. And you're just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. That's how it's presented. And so like as an adult, I am taking this in and it feels like I'm a kid again because they are hitting me where I I am familiar because I already love all these artists and I love the kind of songs they write. And I, I get and the, the, the visuals being presented to me as like everything's heightened, everything's glorious, everything's colorful, everything's powerful. Everything is like the most dramatic thing in the world. And then it's like, Oh, and so it feels like I felt when I was a kid as an adult about things when I was a kid, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And um, yeah, I, I, I love that movie. I've seen it many, many, many times. And the soundtrack is just right. It's just right. Yeah. Thank it's you for so articulating that so, so perfectly. That Like, I, I had never been able to put my finger on quite why that soundtrack works so well. And that is exactly it. It's like, the, it's like, like it I, manufactured real-time nostalgia yeah like somehow I, it, it brought me back yeah because it brings me back to like all of those like crummy basement shows that i went to in high school like mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> that is exactly it wow wow plus the comics yeah. are great like, yeah i had all of them i loved it so much and yeah i mean they mentioned music in the comics so often yeah um i'm glad it was um a, i'm glad a, a good soundtrack came from that oh that definitely Definitely. And I, I'm glad, like, just like harkening back to the uh, the Josie and the Pussycats from earlier, like they they made like j in that movie, like that you know, they may not have like in Scott Pilgrim, they may not have recorded like Allison Pill playing drums like for the soundtrack, and they may not have recorded you know Tara Reid playing drums for that you know, for, but like everybody had to go to sort of like band camp <laughs> and learn how to play the instruments enough to be able to play them on screen. Totally. 
And it like it it just it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Yeah. No, I yeah. fully agree. In college, I was a big fan of Beechwood Spark, so I'm gl- I was glad to see you know in the 2000s when they popped up on that soundtrack doing a cover of Sade song, no less. <laughs> so yeah, it's amazing. So cool. They also had so uh, one joke in there that made made myself and my wife laugh so fucking hard when it happened in the theater, <laughs> which was um, the joke was entirely musical. A hundred percent. You had to know the band. You had to know the name of the song and how it worked into the context. Um, they're in a scene where Scott Pilgrim's walking through and he he runs into Knives Chow and she's in the audience somewhere and he's like basically rejecting her. He's like, he's like walking past her. And in the background, you hear anthems for a 17-year-old girl by Broken Social Scene. And it's <laughs> it, that's so fucking funny. And they don't point it out. They don't say anything about it. It just happens. And if you happen to love Broken Social Scene and you know the name of that song, then you are in on this very specific joke that happens for a millisecond. And there you go, moving on. And you just keep going. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like I, I, this is going to sound dumb. I don't mean this in a pretentious way. I remember my wife and I being the only ones laughing in that theater. And it, <laughs> it, it, it didn't make me feel like, oh, I'm smart and everyone else is dumb. It made me go, oh, I love my wife. <laughs> you know? Aww, <laughs> like, yeah. It's so great that she she is on the same page she with me with that. She also got it. Yeah, yeah. that's wonderful. <laughs> it's, like when, it's like when NPR does like, like has like, bumper music at the end of the story that sort of like slyly references that story that they, that yes. you just heard. Like, yeah, it's like, I love uh, when I, they do that. I see what you did there. Yes. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. NPR music supervisor. I, I appreciate you. Yes. Oh man. So uh, our, our, uh, day is getting pretty late. We've got to start, uh, closing up the old thing here. Uh, uh, but, uh, I still want to hear about all of our short lists, you know, to kind mm-hmm. of r- run through real quick. All the, all the people who almost made our list. And we need to restock the uh, uh, employee recommendation shelf. So uh, mm. let's do that. We'll, we'll, we'll break up, uh, go get our uh, our stuff for the employee shelf, and uh, we'll, we'll be right back in a minute. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert, caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals and recovery support specialists. At RCA's state-of-the-art campus, in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs like PRIZE, a unique program for people who have been in recovery but have relapsed. Here, you won't have to start from step one. You'll build off the knowledge you've previously acquired in treatment and focus on the areas of your recovery that need improvement. RCA answers the phone and accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most major insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-888-RECOVERY today. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. In this season of Unobscured, we will follow Grigory Rasputin's transformation from a peasant at the crossroads of history to a monster at the center of far too many legends. And in the process, learn how he took the weight of a fallen empire with him to the grave. Elite aristocratic society in Russia at the time was fascinated with very spiritualist leaders, with gurus, and there was this desire to seek alternate ways of connecting with reality that traditional religion and the church were unable to explain to people who were seeking answers to sort of these life's questions that seemed to have this pressing 
urgency right around 1900. Join us as we make our way into the burning palaces of Imperial Russia to dig up the truth about Grigory Rasputin. Unobscured Season 4 is available now. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So I can throw parties again. (laughs) So I can go to her parties. (laughs) It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change. So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. All right, before we lock up for the night, we need to fill the employee recommendation rack. And I I just want to real quick go over some of our shortlists, things that we wanted to put in, but didn't quite make, uh, didn't quite make make the cut. Uh, What what do y'all got? Uh, 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 Let's start with you, Mike. Well, well, just just a few off the top of your head. Just just rattle them off rapid fire for us. Yeah. All right. Well, I know that you asked me for five and I gave you like 78 uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, to begin with. But uh, yeah. OK, so some of the ones that didn't uh, make my final list, but deserve a mention. Um, I my dad introduced me to the Blues Brothers mm. movie when I was a kid. And man, like what a kick ass soundtrack that is. Um, the only reason I didn't list it was because like I, I don't think I've ever like engaged with that soundtrack like as an album right. i just like enjoy the mu- the movie so like you know didn't want to include it it's almost like a concert um, film you know like yeah, watching totally. that movie and man such a such a cavalcade of amazing <laughs> music like i mean yeah like that's the movie that introduced me to cab calloway like come on right yeah unfuckwithable um uh i mentioned metalhead at the very beginning and yeah that's 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 in there that's man y'all should see that movie it's really sad (laughs) and it kicks ass um uh i wanted to mention the spider-man into the spider-verse soundtrack just Mm. because like it's got like it's a whole like it's the i don't i i'm not a total like I don't want to say I don't like Post Malone, but this soundtrack made me like Post Malone. I follow you. So, I follow your logic yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 so much fun. It's a fun soundtrack. Um, and finally, there is a... Okay, so there was a movie that came out a couple of years ago uh, uh, starring Elle Fanning where she was a uh, she was competing in a in a singing competition. That hmm. movie was called Teen Spirit. Hmm. And it, it's just, it's Elle Fanning doing a bunch of like kind of flinty voiced uh, top 40 pop song covers. And it kind of rules. It kind of rules like the, the, it's, you know, it's her doing like some uh, like Ellie Goulding and some like Annie Lennox. Uh, there's uh, yeah, there, uh, there's an unreleased Carly Rae Jepsen song on there. Like <laughs> it's uh, just to, you know, just to mention her name a few more times. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I I I I dig it. I dig it. I, I watched the movie kind of drunk on an airplane once, and it was uh, you know, it was fun. It did the things that you want a movie to do. Yeah, nice. You laughed. Nice. You cried. I yeah, I laughed. I cried. I ordered another bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Tara? What, what, what um, are some uh, some shortlist mentions? 
Man, I swear, I feel like when I look at my top five and also my honorable mentions, it's like I stopped watching movies after the 90s or something. <laughs> um, which is not true. I just feel like I was just so into like a certain kind of music mm-hmm. then. So, I dig yeah. it. Uh, Clueless, um, yes. The Saint. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is like very ravey. Um, also, I did want to mention, I actually have never seen this movie or um, listened to the soundtrack, but it feels like it would have been my favorite had I known about it. And it's called Splendor. Um, and it has everything but the girl, slow dive, chapter house, lush, etc. cetera. Um, anyways, had to mention that one just in case someone else hasn't heard of it or if, you know. That, that, that would yeah, include like, me. I've never heard of it. <laughs> I know, right? I was just like, what is that? I can't believe I've never heard of that. I yeah. definitely would have been into it. Um, let's see. Uh, Reality Bites, Broken mm. Flowers, yeah. mm-hmm. Rushmore. Yeah. Boomerang soundtrack. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Very I'll stop cool. there. All right. I got a few. Um, a few that we've mentioned. Uh, Life Aquatic is on my short list. Purple Rain yeah. is on my short list. Uh, Black Panther is on there. Um, Labyrinth that we mentioned. Uh, but also the Call Me By Your Name soundtrack. There's a couple of really Ooh. amazing uh, Sufjan Stevens songs on there. But there's also... Yeah. Um, just some wonderful 80s like euro pop <laughs> you know psychedelic like, furs that psychedelic yes. furs song love my way oh such a jam such a fucking such a jam, jam. Yeah. so good um then uh yeah i think popeye which i might have already said black panther pete's dragon pete's dragon to me i don't i don't really huh. know much about musicals but i love that movie i don't know why but i love huh. it and then um what's what's on that uh, it, it's it's just they're all songs from the musical. Maybe it doesn't huh. count as a soundtrack because it's a musical soundtrack. I don't know. That, that's that's a discussion for another uh, another day about yeah. whether or not yeah. soundtracks to musicals are still considered soundtracks. I'm going to marinate on that. That's yeah, and, and then one more I'll mention uh, called the Tragic Treasury. It's the um, the Gothic Archies, which is the band consisting of Stephen Merritt and Lemony Snicket. And they wrote <laughs> one song for every audiobook for that series of children's books that Lemony Snicket wrote, um, a series of unfortunate events. And then when the series was over, they compiled all the songs together into one album called The Tragic Treasury, which is wonderful. I, I, I honestly know very little about the books, but the, the album's great. So <laughs> there we go. Jay Robbins from Jawbox did a cover of The World is a Very Scary Place. It's oh. up on his band camp and it's really good. It's really there, good. There you go. Uh, well, hey, Tara, uh, we got to. Actually, oh, hold go on. I can't believe none of us mentioned train spotting. God like, damn oh, it. Oh, yeah. <sighs> I'm disappointed uh, well, myself. It's an obvious one, but we should have done my it. Life. <laughs> <laughs> Choose life. Choose the train spotting soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Tara, we got to uh, stock the old employee recommendation shelf. What do you yeah. got this week? Um, you know, I actually recently just saw the Linda Ronstadt documentary, um, which is not my recommendation necessarily. It was good, but that's not what I'm recommending. It it brought up some. She talked about Rye Cooter being like one of the greatest guitar players in rock history, and I was like, wow, I never really gave him a shot. But then I started listening to him, and then it reminded me of. R.L. Burnside and Mm. how like just like bluesy and just like gritty and sad he sounds um, sometimes. And so, yeah, that's my recommendation.
It's actually from the album that came out in the 2000s, or uh, in the year 2000, actually. Wish I Was in Heaven Sitting Down, R.L. Burnside. That's my recommendation. Just like super bluesy, kind of depressing music, but I love it. Nice. Love it. Yeah, but when, when music hits you in the right mood at the right time, it really is like a magical thing. Just like, oh, yeah, perfect fit. Good job, puzzle piece, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Mine, I'm going to uh, uh, put on the old shelf here. I saw this amazing, um, I guess I'll call it a concert film, live stream. Um, basically, on the anniversary of Daniel Johnston's death, they did oh. a thing where they got a bunch of musicians together to cover him, and they put it all together, and uh, then they streamed it online. It was called Honey, I Sure Miss You. Now he's Casper, the friendly ghost. He was always polite to the people who tell him that he was nothing but a late. And, um, it was just so good. The people they got, it just, they all, they all, they all just fit perfectly. Like, um, let's see here. Obviously they had some Jan Daniel Johnston, uh, footage in it, but also, uh, Jeff Tweedy performing with his two sons, uh, Devendra Banhart, uh, Cutworms, uh, Adam Green, Phoebe Bridgers. And then like, there were even some people where I'm like, wait, I don't know you. And, or I definitely didn't know you were a musician. Like for example, uh, Maya Hawk, AKA daughter of Uma Thurman and, uh, Ethan Hawk, she she performed a song and it was incredible and I, I didn't even the, didn't even know she sang. What she was in the most recent ep, uh, See, uh, uh, season Stranger of Stranger Things. Things. That, that's huh. her. Yes, she's an in, she's an incredible musician. Wonderful voice. I had okay. I had no idea. And her being amongst all these other people that I really love, I was like, oh, and and, and you get this too. Like, congrats, good for you, buddy. Uh, but anyway, it, it's really wonderful. I've listened to it many, many times now. Um, all the benefits, uh, you know, all, all everyone was coming together to support uh, um, HiHowAreYou.org, which is the thing to um, you know bring up uh, uh, mental health awareness and all, all kinds of support group type stuff like that. And you can just find it on Daniel Johnston's YouTube page now. It, it streamed originally, but now it's just sitting there on the YouTube page. Anyone can watch it whenever. And it's called Honey, I Sure Miss You. And it's it's wonderful. I love it. Well, Mike, I know you don't yeah. work here. Put something on the shelf anyway. What, what, what are you vibing uh, on? What are you liking? I'm here often enough. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if if if, if this is uh, something you can put on a shelf, but it's just sort of a general piece of advice. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, like one of the things that like one of the questions I get occasionally is like, "Hey, how do you find out about all of this music that you listen to?" Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I've I've come up with like sort of a shorthand like short answer for that. Um, subscribe to as many. Uh, like go past the band that you like and subscribe to as many uh, mailing lists from record labels as you mm. can. Like for, for me, like I I'm, I'm subscribed to like, like the Deus record, like, uh, like Deus records and important records. Uh, th like there's a few, the, the Flenser is a really good record label out of San Francisco that like puts out a bunch of really amazing uh, music. Like they've, they've put out, there's this band called Sprain that they just released their first record and it's ugh, really good. <laughs> um, so yeah, like just like you'll, you'll wind up getting way too many emails for you to wade through, but like it'll, it'll introduce you to like the next seven bands that you're really going to like. So yeah. Um, yeah, go 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 do that. Like, fuck up your email. <laughs> I love it. I think that's great advice. Well, excellent. Uh, thanks for everyone for coming in today. Uh, 
Mike Johns, thank you for coming in. Uh, please come back as often as you like. We'll keep playing our, our little top five game. Uh, but the store is officially closed. So uh, happy trails, everyone. Until we meet again. Bye. Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society. Record Store Society is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you in high school and thinking about your future? Or know someone who is? Consider Geneva College. Geneva College is a Christian college that prepares students for meaningful service in their life's work. Geneva has 140 majors and programs in fields like accounting, nursing, and engineering. We are consistently rated as a best-valued school because of our excellent programs and affordability. Find out for yourself by visiting Geneva. Open House is October 8th, and STEM Day is October 22nd. Register at geneva.edu slash visit. That's geneva.edu slash visit. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. It was a blast. Steve had a, a sign over his door that said, have fun or you're fired. And <laughs> oh, I love that. First of all, for everybody out there who doesn't believe that we're talking to you, can you say something as Sandy? Sure, of course. <laughs> Howdy, everyone from uh, Bikini Bottom and actually from my living room. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sandy, you guys. It's Sandy Cheeks. I'm freaking out. This is a podcast by fans for fans. And I think SpongeBob would call it the best podcast ever. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.